Hi, my name's Noreen Jamil, and this is... Emily Kate Stevens. Both of us have been diagnosed with long COVID. And we've created this podcast dedicated to the condition. Welcome to the Long COVID Sessions. So, Emily, how was your week this week? So, I think you might be able to hear a little bit in my voice that I have got this cold that the all of the school children have got, which is a joy. It did do what what we say, and it, it it's just a cold, but it did take me out for an entire day of feeling rubbish, like like I had the flu. So you can see how our my immune system seems to take these kind of knocks much harder than other things. And that was off the back of a couple of migraines and things. So, you know, all in all, uh, not the best week. How was your week? You're always so polite. Um, <laughs> I got some of my son's cold, but it not really, I wasn't very phlegmy or runny nose or anything. It was just kind of sitting at the back of my throat. It didn't really develop into very much. But I have noticed my heart rate's gone up. Like I'm sitting here now looking at my watch and it's it's 108. Wow. Have you just been phys- very physically active before we sat no, down I just, to talk? No, I just had my lunch. I normally notice it goes up when I eat. Really? Yeah. So something to do with your digestion? Probably to do with the blood sugar. How are you? You've seen, you, we've, we talk a lot during the week. You seem quite down. And I've noticed a lot of people on Twitter, long, on our long COVID Twitter echo chamber are very down at the moment. I think it's probably due to the length of time we've all been sick, some of us longer than others. I mean, I've been sick for nearly 19 months. And honestly, I wrote a list out of all the things that I'm taking and all the things that I'm doing and all the things that I've changed. And I don't think that any single thing that I have done or taken has made any impact on my symptoms. So... I am right now incredibly frustrated, especially as we've got all this incredible information. We're talking to all these really interesting people. And even armed with all of that, I don't seem to be making progress. So I want some little sign that uh, something is making a difference. But, you know, I've noticed the same kind of sentiment, even from other people who have seen lots of doctors, been put on lots of medication really can't put their finger on anything that's made them feel well no but this week very interesting conversation I thought talking about things that possibly we haven't explored so much before now yes our tummies yeah the second brain as many people call it and how important gut health is and its implications in long covid as well and this was actually more than just about eat well, you know, sort out your diet and and then that will make you better. This is actually talking about serious issues with your gut that you have to rectify with means other than just eating better, living a healthier lifestyle. We spoke to Dr. Karina Geiger, who is a GI specialist in Vienna. She's doing a lot of face-to-face interactions with long COVID patients and so, yeah, no, it was a good conversation and a very interesting one. We'll circle back round to the gut and talk to a nutritionist at a later point, but I thought it was important that we talk to 
someone about the medical side of the gut. We're so deep into this whole conversation about long COVID and all the various uh, ways in which it manifests its body, but we want to talk to you about the gut. So let's take it right back. How does the SARS-CoV-2 affect our gut? Uh, First things first, what we all, I think, found out pretty early in the whole COVID discussion is that COVID binds to the ACE2 receptors, right? Those are expressed in our intestines as well. And what we can see in patients with an acute COVID syndrome is that those ACE receptors are disrupted. So patients with acute COVID usually rather present with, you know, vomiting and um, diarrhea. But in the long term, so there was a nice study done, um, I think it was released in September um, by Mr. Blackett, um, and he did a follow-up Uh, of his um, intensive care patients and also an online survey on um, just long COVID syndrome patients. And what he did find is that diarrhea wasn't present anymore, but that they kind of rather switched to constipation issues. So what we can assume is that it's not only the ACE2 that's kind of destroyed, but also that the inflammation itself kind of changes our gut motility. And one possible explanation would be a change in uh, tryptophan metabolism. So tryptophan is an amino acid. um, And this is very important to form serotonin. Serotonin is not only important for, you know, being a happy, healthy person, um, but also for having, you know, great bowel movements. So basically what happens is people with a continuous low-grade inflammation might have problems forming enough serotonin because their tryptophan gets broken down more easily. So that's what you're seeing in your long COVID patients? I do see that a lot, yes. So, so you have both options. You have either the problem of the tryptophan metabolism that changed. So then you are one of those people who probably will suffer from constipation. Or you, the other way around, could also have a mast cell problem because the mast cells in the gut are still very active. Um, and then you would rather suffer from all those histamine symptoms. So bloating diarrhea and stuff like that. Interesting. Can you tell us about mast cell activation syndrome? So in mast cell activation syndrome, we basically think that mast cells, when they are, um, you know, activated by a very strong immune response, which would be the case in COVID, um, after that can't really calm down anymore. So they kind of stick to their inflammatory pattern and release a lot of inflammatory mediators. One of them is histamine. uh, And a lot of people know histamine from the histamine intolerance part, which affects usually um, your intestines by, you know, giving you diarrhea, more acid in your stomach, more bloating. Um, Or it can also cause, you know, all weird kind of skin rashes, rhinitis, headaches, 
all that part. So when people talk about one of the things that we really need to do in terms of treating our long COVID is to sort out our gut microbiome to get ourselves a healthy gut. How do you begin to address either the tryptophan absorption or the mast cell activation? So for the mast cell activation, um, so there is guidelines. Basically, what we try to do is we, uh, we measure the tryptase which is a mast cell activation parameter. If it's elevated, then you do have mast cell activation. That's just it. If it's not elevated, you have two other options. Either you try to get a baseline on a day where somebody feels really well because it's a very fluctuating syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then try to measure it again on a day that's really bad to see if there is a change in the baseline. And there is a certain cutoff. So basically, whenever it rises above three points plus 20%, then you again have mast cell activation. Or what I sometimes do, if I can't figure it out, um, I do biopsies of the GI tract, so endoscopically, and ask the pathologist to stain the mast cells. And then we count them, and then there is a cutoff. If it's more than 25, then again, we have a mast cell enterocolitis. And how do you then go about treating that? Or how do you go about changing the, the gut back to how it was previously? Is it possible to, to cure it, to get rid of mast cell activation? Yes, I think so. So I have one patient, like today, last patient of the day. It was so cool because she had, she presented, I think, four months ago with, you know, uh, chest pain, dyspnea, uh, so shortness of breath, then diarrhea, bloating after like everything she ate. Um, She got all uh, kinds of weird skin rashes and she had uh, fatigue after every kind of exercise and also those flu-like symptoms like muscle pain and stuff like that. And today she came in and it's just all gone. So... That's pretty cool. What did you do? Um, do? Um, So we uh, gave her mast cell stabilizers. This can either be um, tried by plant-based medicines, so flavonoids, um, quercetin, ganistine, luteolin. Those are all mast cell stabilizers. Um, And they have been discussed in studies that they might be very helpful in long COVID as well. So that's the one thing we did. And then there is a pharmacologic mast cell stabilizer, which is ketotifene. Yeah. And that's what we did. And um, it worked. So over the course of four months of ketotifene, she improved? Yes. What's the prognosis now? Does she have to continue on the ketotifene? We tapered it down today because she now has constipation. If your bowels are kind of used to you having diarrhea all day long, um, your bowels are you know, prone to kind of, you know, slow you down a little, at least they try to. Um, and when you get um, rid of all those histamines and, and, and serotonins that kind of promote bowel movements, then you actually get constipation for a little while until it kind of rebalanced again. So there's a lot of talk about formatidine. Yes. And that works. That's normally given for celiac disease, I think. Or it's H2, it's for stomach issues? So, yeah, it's basically a histamine blocker for the gastrointestinal tract. 
So you can use it for ulcer prevention, basically to reduce the acid in the stomach. There's a lot of papers coming out now saying that formatidine is actually having really good effects on long COVID patients, not just in the GI tract, but for their other symptoms. Yeah. And was I'm wondering if you think that if we sort out our GI tract, which is one of the largest ACE2 inhibited areas with absorption, that we could sort out the rest of our problems. Because I feel that when I take formatidine, my heart cardiac issues get better. Yeah, that's just because your heart has H2 receptors. Yeah. So basically, formatidine will help you get your heart rate down. And it will help you uh, with contractility issues. So it works on the ACE2 receptors throughout your body. Is that the way it acts? Yeah, that's it. But um, if I look at the patient, and that's in all my patients, I try to see it as a whole system. So you can't really isolate the gut from the brain, from the pulmonary system, from the heart. That's all interconnected through mediator, through hormones, through nerves. What you need to try to figure out is where is the biggest problem and how does that cause the rest of the problems? So whenever I have a patient who has a lot of GI symptoms, I try to fix that first. And usually, as you just said, heart rate issues will come down as well. They will basically not feel tired that much they will probably don't have that much brain fog going on and they will probably sleep better. What I'd like you to explain is how those various areas of the body or various activations in the body all come together in long COVID, in your opinion. If we talk about long COVID, there is several hypotheses of how this whole syndrome is formed. So basically, when physicians talk about a syndrome, they basically don't know what's going on. So that's true. <laughs> it's like very true. Um, so we're still educated guessing. Um, and we have the hypothesis of persisting infection, so persisting virus. Um, that's the one thing. And there is some studies that show that some people get better after vaccination. And we think that's because of a better virus clearance. So that's one part. And then we have um, the persisting low-grade inflammation hypothesis that is probably associated with mast cell activation, or at least what I can say from my experience is that a lot of my mast cell patients exactly have the same symptoms than the COVID patients do. It's hard to know which bit to start with, but you always go in with the trying to treat GI. Well, most of the time I just try to think, well, GI wise, it's such such a big part of immune system um, going on there. So basically, yes, that's why I try to start there as well. But I'm not a big fan of doing, you know, this whole microbiome analysis kind of stuff. Um, and then add one probiotic and tell the patient everything was going to be all right, because that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> to every complex problem, there is a, an easy solution that's wrong. Basically, you should try to figure out um, which 
So if, first of all, I try to see, okay, what's the motility? So is it too slow? Is it too fast? Then I try to help with that as a first. And then at the same time, I try to balance the inflammatory markers. So if the tryptase is elevated, I, of course, try to calm down the mast cells by treating with mast cell stabilizers. Um, and then in addition to that, I always try to fix sleep as well, because I feel when patients um, improve their sleep or have a more restful sleep, um, then the whole body can just a relax better, um, recover more easily. And you kind of have a more balanced um, hormone regulation as well. So hormones are very important in that whole system as well. So I try to balance uh, sleep and hormones as well. That's that's a big part as well, yes. Uh, I don't know whether this can be used to, to help with MCAS, but a, a lot of people with long COVID have been recommended uh, low histamine diet. What's your opinion of the efficacy of low histamine diets, either directly with long COVID, but that you have seen previously with, with other similar system breakdowns? Well, basically, um, all symptoms that result from high histamine come from an histamine overload. So the options you have is either try to reduce the overload. And one easy way to do that is do a histamine-free diet. Also something that's not so commonly recommended is really look in your bedroom because you know, people allergic to dust also have a high histamine burden because this, um, this dust has high histamine in it, so you can inhale it. So it's good to have good quality hypoallergic sheets as well. And then you can try to reduce the histamine that's endogenous, meaning that's released from the body as well. Um, and histamine is basically, let's say, kind of a stress mediator in the body. So it is released whenever your body has inflammation, whenever you have psychological stress going on, um, or you have, you know, heavy workloads, meaning like physical work to do. So that's also stress for the body. So what you can do is um, also, you know, try to calm down, um, do yoga, do breathing exercises, try to limit physical work. So rather do aerobic um, work, then, then anaerobic work. Um, don't do heavy load training if you are able to do it. Try to pace yourself. Don't overpace. Um, worst thing usually is that you feel good one day and then you want to do everything that you haven't been doing for two weeks um, and then you have the breakdown next day. Sounds yeah. very familiar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's basically the things you can do to lower down the histamine. So histamine-free diet is just one thing. Yeah, I didn't realize that the reduction of um, stress also reduced histamine. Although I do know that when I'm more stressed, like my eczema gets worse. That's aside from long COVID. But I hadn't sort of factored the histamine thing directly into the stress. Yeah, so the classic thing people with histamine intolerance tell you is that, okay, today they eat a pizza and everything's just fine. And tomorrow they eat the exact same pizza on the exact same time and they do have symptoms. So 
the pizza can't be the problem, right? So it's more the endogenous histamine that's um, increased the second day because you had a stressful day. And then like when it all comes together, the bit histamine from the pizza is just too much to bear. And then you get your symptoms. Interesting. Like putting them all on top of each other. Yeah. So what is your favorite theory of what's causing long COVID? There were two that you mentioned, but we've heard, we've heard them over and over. And I'm just interested to know, because you're, you're an internalist, so you deal with the whole body and you see it, you know, you're treating patients as a whole body system rather than a specialist. Yeah. But, uh, the mast cell activation was something that we heard right at the beginning, Emily, when we, were, when we first saw our first doctors. And that was their favorite theory then. Obviously, it's changed now, but that seems to make a lot of sense. What's what's your what's your favorite theory at the moment? I think it's persisting inflammation, but I'm not sure if mast cells are the only ones to blame, because I still feel that there is a lot of similarities to the myalgic encephalitis as well. And we know that this is not only inflammation, but also something that's a lot about how energy is um, brought into the cells and like energy consumption. So also a mismatch in the energy balance. So I think it's a combination of both. So is that, are we talking here about mitochondria? Yes, partly. Um, I think um, it also has to do something with um, amino acid degradation. And... Is that to do with the tryptophan? Yes. I was reading a paper that uh, you had posted about the tryptophan absorption. And there are a lot of different symptoms in long COVID that could be attributed to that. Because it can essentially, I mean, you, you explain it to me, but it, it seems that it can essentially affect serotonin, melatonin, Vitamin B3, is that right? Yeah. Um, so, and then you can see all of the various different symptoms that you thought perhaps previously were separate are actually could actually potentially all be from from this method of activation. That's right. So so that's why I found this very interesting. Um, so what basically happens is that um, inflammation uh, mediators such as um, in interferons or interleukins can enhance an enzyme that breaks down your tryptophan. Is this taking place in the gut? This is taking place everywhere in your Throughout body. Throughout all your cells, okay. Yes, and that's why so many symptoms can occur. And what happens is that you get more and more kinurenine, which is called the kinurenine shunt. So basically the tryptophan, which you would use for creating serotonin, but also other things like melatonin, for example, instead of doing that, which would help your body, you're just breaking it down and just creating basically trash <laughs> and then store the trash in your cells. So you're taking in good things and turning it to trash. Exactly. No, like maybe not that bad, but that sounds like my life. <laughs> yeah, sounds my, like my life right now. <laughs> yeah, basically the kinurenine can be neurotoxic, so it it is trash. So what I try to do is, so first of all, what's the connection between a tryptophan metabolism and um, the gut? Um, I would definitely check for fructose malabsorption. 
because fructose malabsorption can also cause uh, a tryptophan deficiency. Okay, so when um, fructose can't be absorbed in your small intestine, it gets kind of transported down into your large intestine and it can bind tryptophan there so it can't be absorbed. And that would be a very easy way to have a tryptophan deficiency and that's a very easy way to fix. And you just do a breathing test. That's how you test for it? That's how you test for it. So basically what you do is uh, you go to your doctor, um, they will have um, a little machine where you can breathe into it. It's a little bit like, you know, traffic controls if you've drunk alcohol or not. Yeah, that's, that's a machine. So they will test you on an empty stomach and then they will give you a solution that's uh, containing a definitive amount of fructose. Um, and then you wait for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and you breathe into this machine and they basically measure how much gas production there is. So if you are able to absorb the fructose or not. If you absorb it, there won't be any gas production. If you don't absorb it, there will be. And then you know what's going on. <laughs> I don't think we have those machines in our GP offices. Oh, yeah, they should, right? <laughs> That's like totally idiot safe. Like When you say fructose absorption, does that mean you're allergic to fruit? Is no, 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 not at all. So, <laughs> allergy is something completely different from intolerance. So you can still, you can still eat it, like you can still ingest it, but you're just not processing it correctly. Yeah, what happens is that you have different kind of transporters in your gut. Um, so there is one that's the um, like the fructose five transporter and this one is damaged in people with fructose malabsorption so they can't use that one um so whenever a food is very high in fructose but very low in glucose they can't absorb it that well because they would need to use that specific transporter so they don't absorb it and it just you know gets transported further and further and then the microbiota in your large intestine they think it's a feast and they go crazy and produce a lot of gas if you eat something that's high in in glucose and you know moderately high in fructose then you're fine because you can use another the transporter and then it gets absorbed and all's good but there is, you know, tables you can, you can um, look up which vegetables and which fruits basically contain how much of it. Can you, can you fix the problem or you just have to adjust your diet? You have to adjust your diet. Right. So there's no drug intervention that you can use to address that. But you mentioned previously your supplements for various different things. Are there supplements that can address things like fructose malabsorption? You can just put sugar over it. That's fine. So just buy really glucose and just put it over your fruit salad. That's fine. <laughs> that's it. That's, the, that's like one of the really rare occasions I recommend sugar. I don't know that I've ever heard a doctor recommending just put, just put sugar on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it shouldn't be like sugar, like the crystalline sugar. It should be glucose. But you can buy that at a pharmacy. Mary Poppins used to advise that, didn't she? A spoonful of sugar. A spoonful of sugar. <laughs> she, she knew what she yeah. was talking about. Yeah. She was a GI specialist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she was. I like that was. <laughs>
tell us about your your supplements that you believe could be effective in treating long COVID or helping people with long COVID? So um, I I developed the supplements not because um, I'm such a genius, but because I, you know, just um, I read a lot of studies and I am prescribing at the moment the exact same things, but people have to take like 20 pills per day. And that's like not very convenient. So I just try to put it all in one. So that's the only thing I was doing. And it basically works pretty nicely. So for mast cells, I have just three flavonoids that are combined. That's the quercetine, the ganistine, and um, the luteoline, and a little bit of vitamin D because you need that as well. Um, Then for the histamine, um, that can also be pretty nice because it just enhances histamine breakdown by adding vitamin C, zinc, vitamin B6, and a little bit of glutathione. But it's all about, I mean, we can go out and buy some of these supplements, but it's all about the dosage, right? We need to know, someone, someone like you needs to tell us, okay, well, you need this amount of this. Yeah, well, either go ahead and read all the studies. That's an option. That's what I did. <laughs> But yeah, basically, um, it's easier to just, um, you know, get a get the combination right. Point from it. from someone that's worked it out, worked it out. Yeah, <laughs> spent the time, done the work for us. <laughs> so you're you're working in Vienna. Yes. Just out of interest, like, what is the Austrian government's view on long COVID? Is it pretty widespread or is there recognition of the syndrome? Is there work being done? Well, we do have some outpatient clinics for the long COVID patients, but it's like they are flooded. Just completely overwhelmed. Yeah. So um, I think one of my fellow Doctor, so, so I do work with two specialists, um, one neurologist and one um, a specialized in immunology. Um, and we have been treating most of the mast cell patients in Austria. Uh, not most of them, but, but a lot of them. Um, and we are flooded as well. So even though it's a private practice, um, it's, it's like super full because... It seems that nobody knows a lot about it, um, at least no general practitioners. I think we try to get there. There is more and more uh, conference, like online conferences. There is um, possibilities to read up. I think there is more and more studies coming out. Um, I think we will get there, but it's still not even halfway sounds similar to the situation here and that it's very difficult to get the get a sort of treatment treatment plan distributed amongst GPs and the clinics are completely overwhelmed that's why I think your work is super important because I feel it is very difficult to have time for every long COVID patient to really thoroughly explain what's going on in their bodies. And I think online educating platforms, whatever it is, are super important to spread that knowledge. 
Well, it was the reason we started this is because we had access to some good doctors and we knew that a lot of our friends and colleagues and people out in the country weren't getting access to anybody because of the pandemic, because of the demands. We just wanted to share some of this knowledge because people didn't know what was going on. They were breathless and they didn't know, you know, it could be cardiac, it could be lungs, it could be fatigue. They, no one was and, sure. And so many were being dismissed by the GPs. So you, you weren't even getting that first line of care that you would normally expect. That's awesome. So yeah. it's good to know that, you know, Europe's suffering just like us. <laughs> Yeah. It's an interesting time, although it's, you know, paved with so many really sad stories. Yeah. But all the experts that we talk to all remark that, you know, we're only 18 months into since COVID first arrived on our doorsteps and so much work has been done already. Yeah, that, that we're actually doing incredibly well, given how long into this illness we are. Yeah, I just think we need to focus more on the long COVIDs now um, and on the vaccination. I still feel that people really need to get vaccinated. What's um, the vaccination take up in, in Austria? Good oh, or? don't get me started. Um, <laughs> bad. Is no, it? It, like we have, I think we are at, well, 70% or something, um, but that's just not good enough. So I got an email that all um, doctors working in an ambulatory care setting or private hospitals are not allowed to do any more procedures that can result in intensive care treatment because, um, you know, ICU is already full. Wow. Yes. And it's September. And is there data to suggest that it's full with um, unvaccinated or are you seeing vaccinated in the ICU? unvaccinated and i have data 96 percent 96 percent unvaccinated yes might be an idea for people to get vaccinated absolutely and um i also feel that this is a social responsibility it's not about my personal choice anymore i think we both agree with you yeah we both agree and we've been saying that all along when did you start seeing long covid patients come through your door Probably a year ago, maybe a little more. So I think that whole problem started in Vienna in March. And I have been seeing a lot of patients where I thought, hey, that's a lot of muscle activation after this COVID in August. Of last year. Yeah. Yeah. And since then, numbers are rising and rising. Uh, and are you seeing people with uh, mast cell activation that don't necessarily know that it's as a result of of COVID or these sort of long COVID symptoms that that they don't necessarily attribute immediately to a COVID reaction? Um, I do have a lot of patients coming in because they read something in a Facebook group that it might be mast cell activation or it might be long COVID. Um, but they haven't been told by any physician. And they went too many. It's, a, it's really interesting because, you know, there's a lot of patient kind of peer support in these Facebook groups and these, you know, Twitter handles. And we're kind of helping each other and helping physicians. And the phys- physicians themselves are having long COVID because they were frontline workers. 
who got COVID during the you know first and second wave and then ended up with long COVID. So we're kind of it's it's a growing body of people trying to voice, you know, hey, we have something. It's a syndrome. Nobody yeah. knows what it is. <laughs> it's just a syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody knows what's going on, but well, still, I feel like if you don't know what's going on, um, so first and most important rule in treating patients is, you know, at least try to make it better. So whatever the cause is, even if I think it's psychologic, it doesn't harm to make your gut feel better, does it? No, that's true. And have you had any patients, apart from the one that you mentioned earlier, make a recovery yeah um as i do work with the neurologist who he treats a lot of um long covid patients as well and we do have some um good recoveries um, i think we do have like 10 patients now that are back to normal and was it a combination of kind of treating the gut and treating neurological problems or Basically, um, the pacing is, is the first and foremost that you really need to follow. And it's so hard because it means changing your life completely. And I, I can't even imagine of how that must feel. And I am 100% sure that I would struggle so much with that. Um, but I do know that it's important. And I do see that it helps. And I do see that people recover faster if they follow it. Um, and then there is different kinds of treatments depending a little bit on where your symptoms are strongest. So some people with a lot of um, you know, endothelial dysfunction or brain fog, they do um, get better with aspirin and statins. Um, some with the you know, heart racing issues, they sometimes need the evobradine. Um, with the histamine symptoms, they for sure get the histamine blockers. I usually try histamine blockers anyways because of the heart issues as well, as we discussed before. Um, and I do use at least plant-based um, mast cell stabilizers anyways because they do not harm and usually they help. But you must keep in mind that this helps only in the long term. So that's nothing you take today and it will be gone tomorrow. Uh, will take some time. Dr. Geiger repeated so many of the things that we've been told by um, other specialists about the things that she treats, the sleep and, and so forth. But as I said there, I really hadn't factored the role of stress on histamine response, how you internally create the histamines with, with the stress. Um, that was a big takeaway from that interview for me. It's interesting though, because like I cannot be stressed, but I can feel adrenaline coursing through my body. And I don't know what's causing that. And that causes your stress hormones, right? Those so those yeah. are your stress hormones. But I'm not stressed. Like I'm not mentally stressed or physically stressed. This goes back to that chicken or egg thing, doesn't it? About that adrenaline, that feeling of anxiety. Does, does that then cause heart palpitations, that kind of adrenaline rush? I'm sure that's what's causing my heart rate to go up now. I'm still sitting at 105 beats a minute. It's crazy. So we've got to 
work on the inside and the outside. And the other thing that she mentioned was the the dust allergies and things like that um, that we need to consider. It's really easy to be disheartened because what has the virus done to our bodies that just our normal environment, our everyday life, that we used to eat what we wanted, be in a bedroom that had, you know, the odd dust mites or whatever, and and now... And we, can be, to, we were okay with it. Yeah, and now we're trying to completely figure out what's going on. So I'm hopeful that we can heal and get over this. Join us next week as we hear others' experiences of long COVID. Share your stories and questions at tlcsessions.net. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for the latest updates. And if you found this interesting, please do subscribe.